0: So we were talking about children's movies yesterday after The Guardian released a list of the 50 greatest children's films of all time.
1: I was going to say, not just children's movies, the greatest children's
0: movies. And uh, Catherine got in touch. We asked people for their favourite children's movies. And Catherine got in touch. She said, I want to give a shout out to Gremlins.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You ever seen Gremlins?
1: Nah.
0: Okay. Specifically, Catherine goes on to say, the scene where the mum discovers evil greenies eating her gingerbread men. She doesn't run. She doesn't scream. She picks up a knife. No, two knives (laughs) and picks them off. One in a blender, one in hand-to-hand combat, one in the microwave. Man, she was tough. She was awesome. She was a rare and powerful slither of woman power for me. As a teenager growing up in the 80s, she influenced me in a great way, and I love her. Love the passion from Catherine there.
1: But also love how this points to how influential films can be when you grow up.
0: See, the only point of contention that I have on this is I don't know that I'd call Gremlins a children's movie. I think it's closer to a horror movie. Is it scary? It's pretty... yeah, it's pretty violent, as you can probably tell <laughs> well, from that email.
1: yeah, actually, they a gremlin and a blender.
0: But this came up in, in the list as well, because you had one that, that, that this, along similar lines, right?
1: Well, Labyrinth was on the list, and I had a couple uh, of people email me to say, what about Labyrinth? And that was on this original list that we'd found on The Guardian. I, I, I wouldn't call that a children's intense. film either. That's <laughs> it's not a children's film. It's, it's a, a, weird.
0: Anyway, um, yeah, keep them coming in, usableadstuff.co.nz. But uh, let's kick on with the show. This is News of I'm Emile.
1: And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. A Kiwi pilot has been held hostage in Papua for six months. So we're in negotiations for his release at...
0: Also, the rapper who shot Megan the Stallion at Kylie Jenner's pool party has been handed a hefty prison sentence, and what a sentence that is. We're taking a look at how we got here.
1: The end of the FIFA World Cup is drawing near, so what sort of impact has the competition had on our economy?
0: Plus, banning cell phones in schools has people fired up, so we're going to chat a wee
1: bit about it. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Usable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. Six months. That's how long a New Zealand pilot has been held hostage in the jungles of the Indonesia province of Papua. Marking the date, Chris Hipkins urged the West Papua Liberation Army to free Philip Mertens, who was kidnapped back in February after he landed on a remote airstrip to drop off passengers.
0: Staff's reporter Nadine Roberts is in contact with the Liberation Army and has been covering the story since it very first broke. Kia ora Nadine. Kia ora. Have you heard from the West Papua Liberation Army recently?
2: Well, yes, I have actually. I was talking to Sebi Sambon, who is the kind of the speaker for the army on Wednesday. Although we have some translation difficulties, he was able to enunciate that Mertens, we believe, is still alive and well. But he did say he is getting frustrated and, you know, is finding it really difficult to be away from his family.
1: Do we know any more about how Philip is is doing?
2: Basically, the only thing he could tell me was that they were feeding him organic food. Now, I don't know what he meant by that, but we can presume he just meant jungle food uh, and said that he was in good condition, whatever that means.
0: Nadine, six months is an unthinkably long time to be in a situation like this. I remember when this story first broke, it was like a long time mm. ago. R- remind us about the efforts that there have been to and I also, I suppose, the diplomatic difficulties at play in terms of what New Zealand itself can do here.
2: It's a really difficult situation because we have quite a big cooperative effort with Indonesia happening. And we have that anyway. Like, we work with their police force and their security forces and have kind of a formal arrangement. So the New Zealand government does not want to antagonise Indonesian authorities and therefore is reluctant to act without their say-so. So So anything that we do, any negotiations we're holding, it is very much going through Indonesian authorities from what we can tell. And that is the sticking point because we know that this this particular independence movement, they don't respect the Indonesian government. They don't want to talk to them. They want to talk to the world and they want people to know what's been going on in West Papua and they want New Zealand to act and pull out from having any sort of association with Indonesia militarily.
1: And are those their demands or are there other demands from the West Papua Liberation Army? So initially they said they
2: would kill Philip uh, if they did not get independence. They have, from what we understand, and and just to be clear, this is quite murky. We're not getting the whole story. But we believe that they have pulled back on that and they are now insisting that if they get a face-to-face meeting with the Indonesian president or high-up officials they will consider letting him go immediately if New Zealand pulls back on its relationship with Indonesia. But as we know, uh, that's not going to happen, particularly from the way in which uh, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins talked to where he was quite stern.
1: Nadine, just finally, what do we know about Philip? Is he a family man? Whereabouts was he based before all of this? So we believe he was
2: based in Bali with his wife and child, and she's Balinese. I think he's quite a private man from what I understand Mm -hmm. and he would not like all this publicity Mm -hmm. and very much a family man who was doing this risky job because it's really good money uh, and it can also get your flying hours up because as we know he was a pilot. He won't be so much worried about himself from what I understand from what friends have said but more about how his family is coping and he has relayed that in a previous video message that his entire concern at the moment is about how they're getting you know, putting food on the table.
0: It's a really interesting story and we're follow it throughout. Dean Roberts, thanks very much for your time today.
2: Thank you. We're
0: going to talk banning cell phones in schools a wee bit later, but this of course is one of those hot bun topics that everyone has a take on. Opinions are like... Anyway, get in touch with yours. You can find us on Insta or TikTok. Just search up NewsableNZ and you can also email us newsable at stuff.co.nz
1: Emil, I know how you love long-running, acrimonious US court cases finally reaching their conclusion after years before a court. It's possibly up there with are your favourite genres of story. Unusable, right?
0: I never get sick of it.
1: Well, say no more, because today you're in luck. Canadian rapper Tory Lanes has been sentenced to 10 years' imprisonment for shooting US rapper Megan Thee Stallion in the foot at a party at Kylie Jenner's house in 2020.
0: That is one of the wildest sentences I have ever been tasked with processing (laughs) in my entire life.
1: I'm going to paint you a picture. It's July 12, 2020. Mm -hmm. Kylie Jenner is hosting a pool party. Right. Tori Lanes is there. Mm -hmm. So was Megan Thee Stallion. I'm with you. The pair had previously been romantically involved, Mm. but there's an argument. The argument culminates in Megan Thee Stallion, always got to say it the full way, because we now, do you get to say the Megan the stallion walking away from Tori. Mm-hmm. Tori then pulls out an unregistered firearm, shoots at her feet, and shouts at her to dance. What? What? Megan had to get sorry. Megan the stallion <laughs> had to get surgery to remove some bullet fragments from her feet, and told a court she hasn't had a single day of peace ever since.
0: I'm speechless. Yeah. Um. But I want to hone in on possibly the least interesting part of that whole sentence. <laughs> uh, July the 12th, 2020. So this happened, what, more than three years ago, and Tory mm. lights is only being sentenced
1: now. Mm. Well, this is, I mean in a nutshell, the American justice system in action. He was actually convicted back in December last year on three felony charges and has been held in custody since then. Lane's lawyers argued a jail sentence would be detrimental to the non-profit groups and individuals he financially supports and wanted him to be sentenced to rehab for a year instead to deal with drinking problems. But the court decided that wasn't going to be severe enough. So 10 years in prison. Is what he will do.
0: This is such a crazy story that it kind of sounds like a satire of a hip hop beat. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like something that you'd see in a satirical movie making fun of the hip hop world.
1: It's crazy. The whole situation is crazy. The fact that there's a somehow a Kardashian is involved yeah. as well. Like yeah. I think the craziness distracts from how actually horrifying this is and the societal issues it highlights. You've got male violence against women. He shot at her feet and told her to dance. The incredible ease of getting your hands on a gun in the US is in there as well. And it also highlights the gender politics in hip-hop in particular. What I didn't mention before is Megan Thee Stallion was reluctant, really reluctant to come forward and testify because she was worried she wouldn't be believed. And what the public reaction might be, and has been, might I add, she's received wild abuse online for literally being shot at. Hashtag free Tory lanes was trending on social media at one point. It has somehow turned into a partisan issue. Not a fun case at all, but definitely one that highlights some pretty big chasms in American society and hopefully this is it for Megan Thee Stallion she can move on How the FIFA World Cup has had an impact on our economy is next but if you're enjoying what you're hearing you'll probably also enjoy our morning newsletter as well sign up for that head to newsable.co.nz scroll all the way down the page and click the thing that surprisingly says subscribe to our daily newsletter So, for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Every time we get a big sporting event, along come the predictions of how much economic benefit it'll bring to the hosting country or the hosting city.
0: But here's a question. How on earth do they come up with these numbers and are they in any way, any sense, accurate? Well, to help us nut all this out, we are joined now by BNZ's Chief Economist, Mike Jones,
3: for this week's The Pulse. Cure, Mike. Cure, team. You've been enjoying the tournament so far? I have. I've been to a game, our family's been to a few. We live next to Eden Park, so we are also just enjoying the vibe.
1: Enjoying the atmosphere. You don't even need to go, really.
3: Yeah, we, we hear the goals. Uh, there.
1: <laughs> so, Mike, are there estimates on how much economic benefit co-hosting this wonderful World Cup has brought here to us in Aotearoa?
3: There are. Uh, they're relatively big, particularly in the size or small size of New Zealand, I suppose. So FIFA have said about 200 million in terms of the potential benefit, and about 30,000 extra tourists in the country, in addition to what we might have expected. The slight rub is that two thirds of those extra tourists were here to support the USA team, who are now of course out, Mm -hmm. uh, but hopefully they stick around. But you know, if you take those numbers at at face value, uh, they are actually big enough to turn the dial on some of the sort of economic statistics we talk about. So tourism arrivals, most obviously, Retail spending numbers, although we got some numbers out for July that were actually a little disappointing. Uh, and even GDP growth, economic activity overall. We've adjusted our forecast for the third quarter very slightly to, to take account of the World Cup. You know, Maybe something around that 0.1% or something like that. So 200 million bucks and tens of thousands of
2: extra
0: tourists, that sounds pretty good. But how does that compare to past sporting events that we, we've
3: hosted here? In terms of visitor numbers, it's similar to, say, the Lions tour of of 2017, so that was about the same amount of numbers, and we did indeed see a bit of a ripple in the economic statistics on the back of that. Uh, This World Cup is not quite as big as the Rugby World Cup of 2011, which I think was the largest, that was about 130,000 people and worth about 1%, or just under 1% on GDP growth. I think the probably big difference this time around is that the economy could do with a bit of. Help. it's obviously a tough environment we're in recession and so that boost is coming at a pretty good time
1: does any official work go into seeing if those predictions are correct that 200 mil is a prediction right or an estimate yeah it's
3: an estimate and look sporting events have a fairly checkered track record of overstating potential Mm. benefits for uh, the economy and i think there's a couple of reasons for that one is Spending and, and activity gets counted that may have occurred anyway, particularly local spending. And oftentimes what you find is spending just gets kind of reallocated from somewhere else rather than creating new activity. The interesting point is that uh, Women's Football World Cups buck the trend of overstatement. The last two uh, in France and Canada uh, actually exceeded the uh, initial initially estimated effects. And I guess... Sort of in the
0: background, this is it, it, it's not just about the money benefits to hosting an event like this, is it? It's sort of it's the national pride and having your country in front of the world.
3: There's all of that. I mean, the economic statistics uh, are obviously important, but they can be uh, a little cold. They don't take account for the, the well being, feel good type of vibe that we all get from this. And I think there's been plenty of that to go around this time around. My kids, I know, are, are out in the backyard playing football. A lot more than they otherwise would, and I'm pretty sure that won't be counted in GDP growth.
1: Our favourite money guy, Mike Jones. Thank you so much for joining us.
3: Thank you, team. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
1: You don't want to be held to account what, no, on I, rising child no. abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics.
3: I, I promised I wouldn't have a tangent about gotcha journalism. Hang
1: into the national parties. No tagline no, there. That no, I, I think what, it would be a resignation offence. If I didn't deliver tax reduction.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits
1: with you perfectly
2: fine. That's what we're we're focused on.
1: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Time to address cell phone chat.
0: It's a polarising issue, it's fair to say.
1: It's certainly got everyone talking. So this, of course, is the National Party. They've announced that they would have a policy if they were to get into government that would ban cell phones from schools. Yeah, uh, school schools already have cell phone and classroom bans.
0: My understanding of this is that it would sort of be, I mean, it's in its infancy, but it would sort of be like formalising a nationwide ban on on cell phones in classrooms. It's difficult to see how it will be implemented. Gotta say,
1: this is what I mean. Schools already have bans on cell phones. Maybe not all schools. That's fine. But you know where it's a problem, it's kind of already been addressed.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't remember having my phone taken off me at, at school. But then again, of course, I was goody two shoes who so has never used his phone okay. in class, as you know.
1: Um, I definitely used my cell phone in class, but I got caught. Because I was texting mum my science test result. I remember it. I remember it like it was yesterday. So
0: you got caught for very honourable reasons and you were just keeping your mum updated?
1: I was just letting Nikki Wells know how I'd gone. But the shame... So schools have processes in place.
0: Policies like this have been introduced in, in other places. I think uh, Victoria in, in Australia, they've had one since 2020, and I think a bunch of other Australian states are bringing them in as well, and I think the Netherlands has one too, where they have to like drop their cell phones off in a location at the start of school day, and then they get them back at the end. That
1: sounds mysterious.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: We, yeah. What about illnesses yeah, on um, the day? What about...
0: Emergencies.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not going to be dramatic here, but... In the last few weeks alone, a couple of schools have gone into lockdowns. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You'd want to be able to contact your parent, and your parent would want to be able to contact the child. It, and also, it just feels weird coming from a government. It, I feel it like does. That schools, that's
0: the thing, eh? That's the thing. That schools
1: just do their thing, yeah. which they like, already do. Yeah,
0: there are I actually. Know. I think there are schools. I think uh, Hill Morton in, in Christchurch has a, a formalised cell phone ban as well, but. Mm. Um, you're right. I, I mean, it's difficult to see how it could be effectively implemented.
1: Get in touch. Let us know. Do you want to ban cell phones in schools? Do you support texting in class?
0: Live tweeting algebra. Yeah.
1: Boil it right down to that. Get in touch on Instagram. You'll remember, you can always email us as well, newsable at stuff.co.nz. But that is Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
0: And I'm Emil Donovan. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back tomorrow. Catch
2: you then.
1: This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our Mahi and visit stuff.co.nzslash support.